Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. I've been wondering, where does your song come from? I don't know if I'll ever get it out of my head. It's from a quote by the artist Vincent van Gogh, she answered. There's only one Paris, and however hard living here may be, and if it became worse and even harder, the city does a world of good. True, isn't it? Yes, very true. There really is only one Paris. Salut, Miranda, ça va? Salut, ça va bien, toi? Oui, ça va, ça va. Ça fait un moment qu'on n'a pas parlé en français euh, pendant le podcast. Oui, ça fait un bout, oui. Stay with But us, you know, guys. Ask... It's gonna We're be still here, don't worry. Um, I'm actually speaking a lot more French at work now, which is nice. It's been anglophone for a while, but I've started to turn people around to speaking in, to me in French, which has been really lovely. Oh, that's exciting. That's cool. It is. I'm. You don't have the same thing because I'm sure you speak in French literally every day. This is true, but I'm excited for you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, anyways, this week's episode is not Proust related. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We are taking a breather, got to recoup after last episode, and we're here to talk yeah. about some cool, unique books that we actually were gifted by some indie authors. Yes, it's so incredible. I mean... I can't believe that we were gifted these, which is super cool. And even more that um, is so wonderful that people are branching out, writing about what they want to be writing about. And it's always great to support that craft because although there are the proofs of the world, like everyone starts with their first novel or with, with their first like entree into the creative world. And so it's super cool to um, get to experience that for sure. Yeah. And especially that these two women actually reached out because they love what we're doing with the podcast and the fact that we're yeah. exploring different voices and different stories. Uh, so we're kind of excited to talk about these two. They've been on our TBR list for a while. Um, yes. I personally read the one I will be talking about back in 2021. And I know Miranda has been reading this new one that we recently got. So let's yeah. dive in, I guess. Yes, let's start. But before... What are you drinking today? I'm drinking a blueberry elderflower tea. Ooh. I know. Every time I drink tea, I just think of you. It's <laughs> it's like... That makes <laughs> me so happy. Yeah. I can't drink tea without thinking of you, so I purposely made tea for our conversation. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, I'm drinking some water with cut up ginger in it because I had quite a bit of wine last night and I need my <laughs> need my hydration it's important and I always love like the taste of ginger I don't know I, I love ginger I'm a big fan of ginger as well especially I don't know if you're it's hot water or tap water but it goes well with both and that's why it's such yes. a great addition to water exactly But anyways enough about our, our our beverages yeah what did you read for today's episode 
So today I got the opportunity to read L'Origine. The sort of subtext of it is uh, the secret life of the world's most erotic masterpiece. It's oh. written by Liliane Milgram, but it is so cool. It's a really um, uh, great book. Spoiler, I, I really enjoyed it. Liliane is writing about L'Origine du Monde, which is uh, a painting. Uh, and it's L'Origine du Monde for non-French speakers is like the origins of the world. But it is actually a painting of a woman's vagina it is uh almost you do not see some the woman's face it is uh, a sort of a a rectangular just um mid torso to mid upper thigh and it's a completely nude painting super famous currently in the musée d'orsay so it's a quite a short book but it tells both the story of lillian being a copyist which is someone who recreates the painting with the permission of the uh, institution that has the rights to it and also the the story of this painting and from the time it was painted and to how it got to the Musée d'Orsay which is fascinating so I really Really? enjoyed it I highly recommend well that's so exciting well so thanks for Lillian for sending that and uh yeah I been to the Musée d'Orsay and I don't remember seeing this painting. Have have you seen it in person? I have seen it in person okay. and I'm uh, I'm aware of it. I, I didn't know this backstory so it was so cool to read about it and I also love the way Lillianne wrote sort of beginning with her own story of, be- of, of a cop- being a copyist which I didn't know what that was so I had to look it up. It's really interesting she tells this story about coming to Paris and and being a copyist and being so interested in this in this work of art. I was shown, this is so silly, but my grandfather showed me lots of photos of like famous works of art when I was a kid as like a way to try and make sure I was cultured. He was a Englishman who really believed in that kind of stuff. And so there you go. it paid <laughs> off because here you are. Yeah, but it was so cool um, to not only understand the sort of the individual hold that it had over Lillianne, but also the historical uh, context for it and the people that felt it was so important, for example, that one uh, of the owners over the several centuries uh, that it was owned by different people, one of the owners, this was the only painting that he left uh, Hungary with. He was only allowed one painting, and this is the one he chose to, to flee with. Really? So, wow. I mean, it, it has this incredible hold over not just owners, but like people who were who were uh, looking at it, just like a regular person who goes in. So I, I love it. I love that it plays with the idea of nudity. So we can get into so much more about this if you want. Yeah, tell me about it, because I am... Not going to be very helpful because one, I haven't read the book yet. This You read this mm. one and I, for the life of me, cannot picture it. Like I I don't know if I saw it in the Musée d'Orsay. So, or if I did, my 18-year-old self did not know this, I guess. <laughs> okay, so I will, I will say, why don't right now you look up the photo okay. so that you can see it and then I'll talk a little bit about it. So it has been seen by a lot of people as like completely obscene. It's incredibly realistic and it is, uh, I think something that people are always uncomfortable with is like female sexuality for sure, but it's also the fact that it's separated from a woman's head. It's not identifiable as like a per, it's just, it's just her like vagina. And so it's quite something. All right. I'm looking at it now. I got it. Yeah. I was picturing something much larger. It's, 
But it's like a medium-sized yeah. piece of art. No, okay. it's it's quite small. And so a lot of people thought that maybe it was only like a part of the painting, but that is the painting that hangs in the Musée d'Orsay now. It's quite small, similar to like the Mona Lisa. Have you ever seen the Mona Lisa? Like yes. that's small. It is, yeah. <laughs> Very odd. Anyway, so the book starts with uh, Liliane coming to Paris and she loves this L'Origine du Monde and she wants to be a copyist. So she goes to the Musée d'Orsay and they say that normally it's a really long process. But then she says, no, 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 I want to copy the L'Origine du Monde. And they're so surprised that that's the one that she wants to copy that they actually allow her to sort of skip this whole process and just start the next Tuesday, which is so cool. Um, and in the process of repainting or painting a version of it, you're allowed to paint it either like a 15% smaller or 15% larger, but for forgery reasons, it has to be significantly different in size so that okay. nobody confuses it with the original. Hmm. But she starts to repaint it and, and she really has this like personal connection to it where she just really thinks it's got this pull and it speaks so much to the eroticism of women, but also of life, like women as life bringers and the title is so striking, even I think you could just have a conversation on that alone. This is sort of how the first, I would say, third of the book goes. And then she gets into the history of the work. So it's an incredible history. We can start with by saying the artist is Gustave Kubé, who I actually don't know for any of his other works. Like this is the one I think that's the most well known. It was painted in 1866. Wow, really? Yeah. It's passed hands so many times. So there was an Ottoman diplomat called Khalil Bey, and he is believed to have commissioned the work shortly after he moved to Paris. And he wanted to add it to his like large collection of works. And okay. one of the models for the L'Origine du Monde was also an, a model for a different painting. So that was the connection for him. But after he like had some financial problems, uh, it passed through like a series of private collections. It was sold by a different bunch of different people. But like the next one that's the most interesting <laughs> is that there was a Hungarian collector uh, who bought it in like uh, just after 1900, I think around 1910, and took it with him to Budapest. Okay. But at the end of the Second World War, uh, it was looted by the Soviet troops. Oh, no. And <laughs> the uh, Hungarian collector was able to sort of like ransom it wow. and get it back. And so in 1947, uh, this Hungarian collector fled and he was only allowed to take one piece of art with him and he took L'Origine to Paris. Wow, so the painting came back all by itself. Exactly, yeah. He took it to Budapest from Paris and then he brought it back. And then it was sold at auction to like some other French people. <laughs> and they had it in their country house for a very long time. And then it was briefly displayed at the Met for a while, but again, it was a it was privately owned. Okay. So then the the interesting stuff comes at when this individual who bought it died in the 80s, the French Minister of Economy and Finances agrees to settle the inheritance tax bill through the transfer of this work to the Musée d'Orsay. Well, that could be a deal if his inheritors did not care about the painting and what a great win for the Musée d'Orsay. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the interesting thing is he bought it for not a lot of money in like the 50s. And then in the 90s, it was seen as this like really interesting way to settle the bill. In any case, um, that is how the Musée d'Orsay came to have it in 1995. And they've had it ever since. So I just think that's the coolest, most interesting story. And like Lillian does a much better job than I did. I mean, she obviously imagines all of this. We don't know exactly what was said in what rooms, but she imagines, you know, the original commissioner, uh, Khalil, like displaying it to people and watching their faces when they see what a, you know, grotesque and obscene piece of art, or if they're like interested by it and eroticized by it. So it's super cool. And the way it's explained is just so incredible. I really enjoyed it. And like, what a history over such a short period of time. Well, I'll have to give it a read after your raving reviews. (laughs) Well, that's really cool. I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend And it's a really quick read as well. It's about 200 pages, a little less actually. And it, it, it's, it's great. And it is available for purchase. We have an ebook, but there's also yes. a physical copy. So just look up Le Origine. And it's by Liliane Milgram. Uh, I really highly recommend it. It's a, it's a great read and it's a quick way to learn about the history of something so interesting. I also just love hearing people talk about art that like moves them even if it's not my thing it's just I think that's the best thing about you know partially what we do here is talk about books in the way that they move us and they always move us differently Mm -hmm. which I think is like the point of art yeah no that's really cool well mine is kind of an art project in a way so I read there's only one Paris by April Lily Heiss who is a Canadian who has been living in Paris for the last 20 plus years. This was actually a COVID project. So it was born out of lockdown and it was a series of interactive stories where readers of her blog, she has a blog and she also has a podcast if you want to check her out, but she basically let readers write in about places that they were missing in Paris. So activities, areas of the city, and then she created these stories from what people were sending in. So it was like a community project during COVID. So the book itself was published later that year in between lockdowns one and two. So in October, 2020. (laughs) And it's really cute. So like to briefly recap for everyone, it takes us through each arrondissement or district in Paris. There's 20. And so you kind of snake around like one through 20. Mm -hmm. And the whole time you get glimpses of these very different diverse neighborhoods and There's a cast of characters and she beautifully weaves the story. So it's, it is a collection of short stories, but they're slightly intertwined. Like, you know, you get a little peep Mm. of maybe a character from a different one overlapping with another. And that's always fun. Like I, I know short story collections don't have to do that, but it is, it's like a little hidden treat when they do. Yes, for me. completely. Yeah, and like one of the common threads in the book is the metro itself and how it's snaking through Paris because as someone who has to take the Parisian metro, let me tell you, it is not London. These are not direct lines. The The physical snaking of the city is, is not a grid. No. Yeah. No. It's ridiculous. So that's kind of the, the idea behind the story. And it was cute. Like it was a walk in Paris. Like you felt like you were walking around in mm. Paris. I... I I liked it and I thought it was such a cute idea to bring people together in that way and to show the different districts like people that go on holiday 
might not even understand where they are and that the boundaries have changed, but each neighborhood really does have its own personality and feel. And she did a really good job of highlighting that. And I actually have made some, uh, you know, Google Maps saved notes of places I want to visit now. So (laughs) there you go. That's so wonderful. That's so cool. I, I love that as well. The thing that came through with La Higiene as well is like Paris is just so iconic. And so we forget that it's a lived in city that people like it's it, it is living and yeah. breathing and people, you know, going about their business. And because of that, it's not static. It, it isn't just one thing. The thing I loved in uh, La Higiene were all of the little like French moments that she talks about, like the metro. And also like, she talks about the notoriously unreasonable uh, uh, RERC that like it's ne- never on time and there's always yeah. issues. So thought that was cute. <laughs> but also some of this, the the French way of life, like just the bustle of, of, of a huge, what is a huge city? And I mean, all of the districts, like you say, are individual, but they're, it's incredible how you can be so close, but so wildly different, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think another thing that was really shocking about this book is that it was the first time I saw COVID on the page mm. and it was startling. Oh, talk to me about that. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, she's talking about masks. She's talking about the measures and it was so soon after it happened. So like, I get it. We were inundated with it. But like now that there's distance, it is still yeah. weird. Like I know some TV shows have integrated masks because they're representing the time period, but it's still shocking. Like I'm not used to it yet. I don't think I ever will be used to it because yeah. we lived it. Definitely a, something that stood out to me and made it very much a daily experience. It really puts you in the shoes of what it did feel like. I personally avoided the metro because of yes. the close proximity of the masks, but you know, people have to do. What yeah, have I had to, to do, take the train. So. I mean, obviously in Ottawa, but like I had to take the train to work every day despite COVID, and like that was its own personal hell. But yeah, it, that's a really yeah. great point. I kind of love that because I think a lot of literature is like trying to keep us away from what this period that we'd all like to really forget because it's just been kind of terrible. But I kind of love that there's something that, uh, I don't know, yeah, like um, almost not memorializes it, but like puts it into history. Like we, this is how our lives were at this moment in time. I really love that. Well, this book definitely does that for the first lockdown of Paris 2020. What were you doing in the first lockdown? We started this podcast in the beginning of, you know, the pandemic. We did. The first lockdown was a pretty stressful period for me because I was finishing up my master's degree, made a move, left a country to come to France before the borders closed, had a lot of Mm -hmm. visa issues. It was basically all of the bad things about living abroad. (laughs) (laughs) Very stressful. It all worked out in the end, but it was a bit of a crazy period personally and then also at large because everyone was dealing with being in lockdown and not being able to leave the house. It, we had one hour a week to get to the grocery store and back, and that was it. Yes, I remember this. It was so interesting because we, like in Canada, or at least in Ottawa, like we were basically told don't leave your house unless it's essential, but there was no real policing of that necessarily. Like, um, and Yeah, we had like to sign affidavits. We had like I remember that. that could yeah. be checked. Yeah. They eventually were digitized, so you could do it by 
phone, but at first mm-hmm. it was by paper and we didn't have a printer at home. And so like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> printer sales yeah, went up crazy. by 400%. <laughs> yeah, they did. And eventually like we could go out more and like take an hour walk, but we had to stay within a one kilometer radius, it which just... for people not on the metric system is less than a mile. It's like, yeah three quarters of a mile maybe so not far from the area yeah and that's so interesting as well because it speaks to a more european thing where like it's a given that within that one kilometer is a grocery store and a pharmacy and like it was for you but like yeah also that's totally not true in North America. There are lots of places where one kilometer would not get you to a grocery store. You could leave the kilometer to oh, go okay. to the grocery store. You were allowed to do that. Yeah, it also was an hour timeline. So wow, crazy. It's crazy to think back on. I was looking at photos from last year and we had masks on because we went to, sorry, my partner and I went to the Orangerie. So we saw oh, the yeah. Monet's Lilies. And we have masks on. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. it seems like so long ago. <laughs> but yeah. it really isn't. Because when you came to visit, I think you had a mask on the train. Yeah. I wore a mask on the train too. So like, yeah. so recent and yet so distant in my head. It's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it is really insane to think that, well, and to think that, that, that this book that you just read was published two years ago. It does not feel yeah. like... I I, it, I mean, it both feels like it's been a, such a long time and not at all. A lot has changed in our lives in the last two years. And COVID is just like, yeah, this thread that goes through throughout it. It's it's it is interesting. Like we're living through history for sure. <laughs> but mm-hmm. oh, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm so glad that it's a community project. I love that like aspect of it. Yeah. The sort of oh, it just feels a bit more authentic that way. Yeah, I think it's a cool concept, and especially during such a unique time period where a lot of us were looking for community in different ways than we were used to. Yeah. So how cool that, whether it's a piece of art that draws people together, whether it's a writing project, I think a lot of people turn to art and artistic pursuits to fill time, to feel connected, to find meaning. Yeah. And then they were also artists that were previously writers and podcasters and and uh, actual physical artists of drawing and painting yeah. I think they were seen more or they yeah. they were recognized in a different way because all of a sudden that's what was bonding or what could be mm. done in the space that we had yeah I think that's great I think that you're right the people turn to art for meaning and like and also sometimes reflection you know, and, mm-hmm. and in a time of COVID when you have a lot of, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, for the, for a while there, it was just nobody knew what was happening and everybody was like, okay, just stay home. You know, and it, we were kind yeah. of working, but not really. And it was very different. It was a uncharted territory. So I think a lot of people did turn mm-hmm. to art to find meaning again or find connection. And yeah, you learn a lot about like the community you hope to have, <laughs> at least. Well, and we did. Like yeah. you said, we... We turned to a podcast and to reading, and we formed a book club with people yeah. from around the world to stay connected. And I think that's really changed my life in a way because I I get to connect on a regular basis with people that I wasn't, or getting to connect again over books and 
and sit down and talk about yeah. them with you. Like this was a positive benefit yes. of COVID. Let's try and find a silver lining there. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago was the second lockdown. So what a great way to celebrate not being yes. in lockdown and still recording this podcast with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also just want to say as a, someone who has taken transit, for my whole life like I don't drive but also I've lived in big cities so transit is just like the way I love that feeling of like it it connects the whole city to itself and the people even if they don't Mm -hmm. know it like I have this thing that I for a long time was obsessed with with like bus buddies you know those people that are getting on at the same time as you you never speak to each other but like you get on the the same bus every day at the same time you know what stop they get off at and like you see them again at 4 30 when you're leaving and like I love that stuff it's just it shows how much it connects uh connects a city especially like a huge city like Paris well like this book basically is bus buddies but someone's taking the time to write their stories (laughs) (laughs) and to like give you the information that you wish you had from your your seats. I love that though. I like to like imagine those people. Actually a couple times I've been on the train with people and I see them so much every day. I had such a lovely moment once where someone offered me their umbrella because I didn't have one and it was raining and it's this person that I take the train with like almost every day and I found out we work together (laughs) and I just did we were just had never known. We kind of like just did our own things but we literally see each other every morning that's so crazy oh did you give back the umbrella the next day yeah no we like walked under the umbrella it was very sweet yeah (laughs) made a friend it was lovely there you go a real bus buddy (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) oh well that is so great well anyways this is our last episode for the year 2022 it's been a great time Season four will continue in 2023, so we'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah, it's incredible to imagine that we've, you know, this is another full year of, like, our commitment to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Proust has been an interesting decision, and I'm so glad that we get to do it together, which is the same way I feel about all of this. I mean, I can't believe that we were gifted books. That is a really cool thing for our egos and this podcast but I also just love talking about it and I'm so glad that we haven't uh we haven't strayed from the original you know purpose of this which was to connect closer and 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 the make the ocean feel a little smaller yes and also we've read a lot of really interesting stories and this is a another example of making the francophonia a bit broader and it's not the same stories it's not just the one Parisian story. There's a lot more to it. And even when we're talking about Parisian stories, these two women show how diverse those stories are. Like, they're not, to refer to a previous episode, like the book French Women Don't Get Fat, like, they're not those stereotypical, mm-hmm. untouchable French women. Like, they're connecting and sharing stories and including and inviting people to experience Paris, which is almost like the opposite of the stereotype of keeping people on the outside. So how great. I'm glad these two authors reached out to us and we get to share their stories. Me too. Thank you. Well, bon année. It's a bit early, but uh, yes. we'll see you in 2023. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so crazy to hear. Yes, we will see you in 2023. And uh, yeah, a bientôt. A bientôt.